You are listening to Ghostlight Podcast, Episode 3, Madness and Great Ones. Having been named Interim Artistic Director of the Festival, Jeffrey wisely cedes direction of the festival's new production of Hamlet to a visiting director, but is distressed when the board chooses his longtime nemesis, Darren Nichols. Richard and Holly decamp to Toronto for an evening of so-called real theater as a break from New Burbage. Kate and visiting movie star Jack get closer. Hello, welcome back, listeners. This is the Ghostlight Podcast, as I said, Episode 3, Madness in Great Ones. I'm the expert on this podcast, Paul Mackey, and we have with me Amy Bowen. Hello. Ben Pfeiffer. Hola. And Darcy Zepnik. Hello. All right, well, have you guys all had a, uh, a good weekend, first uh, big weekend of summer, I suppose, of actual uh, summertime summer? Yep. Summertime summer. Yeah, mine was great. All right. I nice. went to the Pride Fest here in Chicago. Oh, very good. Yeah. Good times. Darcy, did you do anything interesting? Yes. I ask as though I do not know. Yes. <laughs> it was it was terrifying. We went to a um, zipline course just south cool. of the Twin Cities. Very cool. And that was awesome. Yep. It was it was really cool. But I am huge terrified of heights, and it was it was uh, there was there was a lot of scared in with the fun. Yes. How- how far up was the, the jump off point? It's called uh, it's called the Kerfoot Canopy Tour. So it has a bunch of it has, it has I think a series of what was it seven eight eight zip lines. And wow. of, of course, the first couple are mild, but I think the uh, the tallest ones all start from a one hundred and seventy five foot tower. So about eighteen stories, I suppose. Uh, Seventeen stories. Yeah, yeah. The first the first I think four zip lines are under the tree line or under the treetops. And then the last four are above, for the most and part. Yeah. Did you guys go on the 175? We went on everything. It's um, a it's a course. It's yep. a series of oh, lines. Oh. Yep. How how do you get up? Do you climb like climb stairs? Climb spiral or? staircases. Staircases, oh, yes. How many were there? It's like there was a bunch. <laughs> six, seven. I don't no idea. In various places throughout the course, and one of them we went up a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the Kerfoot Canopy Tour. For those that are listening and in the Minnesota area, yeah, it was it was really cool. Um, but if you're really afraid of heights, you know, maybe have a couple of shots before you do it. So I didn't do that, and I probably really should have. Yes, I suppose so. Well, you don't want to get uh, too many shots. No, nauseous. just just a little bit. Just got to take the edge off. It was bad. I was really scared. You I don't want to drop off all of the contents of your stomach along well, the way. Well, I, I, you know, that wasn't a problem. I, I was. Um, after the fact, when I had to stand up and unhitch the thing, that was where it was really hard not to pass out and fall off. Okay. That was, yeah. All right. Well, mm. should we get into the episode itself? Yeah. Sure. All right. Does, okay. any, does anybody have anything broadly they want to say about it, or should we just get into the details? It was fun. I enjoyed it. Um, the, the plot thickens, and things get even more and more interesting. And there's just more to this show around every corner, and I like it better every episode. Yeah, I have to agree with you, Amy. This one really, uh, you know, it, it hit home in a lot of ways, and it was, uh, it, just, it, it, it drew me further in. I really enjoyed it. I had a slightly different experience, but uh, I, I ended up enjoying it by the end. Towards the beginning, I was not as impressed as, say, the second episode, but it, it won me over at a All certain right. seat. 
Okay, well, let's look into the recap then. At the uh, cold open, Frank and Cyril talk over Jeffrey's Hamlet and the history of, uh, of his problems with it um, at the bar. Mm-hmm. That was first we've heard from anyone other than Jeffrey who was there the details of what happened. So that was an interesting scene. Yeah, again, they're kind of like the, the chorus of the whole... Yeah, they're kind of telling thing. the backstory yeah, for they us. they do. It's awesome. Uh, then following the open, we have uh, Jeffrey and Anna spending some uh, quality time with Oliver's skull. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Who Which... else went, holy crow, they actually did find a, a taxidermist who could do that for them. Yes, we, wow. were, we, we were introduced at the end of the cold open to Oliver's skull, but we get the actual uh, dialogue about it in the uh, just post open. Right. Yeah. Right. And I actually wrote a note that was like, wait a minute, that's a fake skull. It has all its teeth. And then they make a comment of it like right after I wrote that down about how uh, apparently inside there's nothing but fillings in all his molars. Mm-hmm. Yes, because of After Eight Mints, which when I was about, uh, I don't know, between 8 and 12 seemed like the really neat, uh, you know, she-she treat to be having after dinner. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I never liked them. You never liked them? No. Okay. I don't know if I know what they are. Maybe I don't I didn't like have uh, enough she-she dinners growing up. <laughs> um, yeah, what, what are, are they? Are they similar to, they're kind of similar to like a pepper. Hades. Well, they're similar, similar to a peppermint patio, only a lot less stuff inside. Oh. It's a really thin chocolate coating with a very thin layer of moist mint stuff inside. Hmm. Mm-hmm. We first found them in um, Canada, actually. So, uh, oh, there you go. But oh. then, but then after, after we found them in Canada, they started marketing them in the U.S. as well. Yeah, I remember having them as a kid, too. At, especially at the home of a friend of my parents who had them after dinner. Yeah, they eat shishi. Yeah, well, kinda. Kinda. They <laughs> yeah. each came in their own little wax uh, envelope um, inside the box, and and they're using real after eight mints in this uh, show. I don't know if they got money from them or not. They, they kind of call them dreadful and horrible, so it's hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, Anna does. Uh, I think Jeffrey does but, as well. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, but later we, I think we see a meet one. That's later true. on. That's true. I'm sorry for getting ahead of myself. Yes, exactly. Actually, no, it's the same scene, isn't it? Because he takes it out of the mouth. Uh, I don't think it's a later scene. later, okay. I don't have it written down exactly which scene that is, but All yes, right. he does pull it out of the mouth of the skull. Yeah, well, which is a great place to store some mints. <laughs> well, how did it get there? Oh, I'm sure that, I'm sure Jeffrey put it there. Are you sure? Not positive. Sure? I, he didn't seem surprised to find it. No. That's right. Uh, okay, following that, uh, Richard is having trouble coping, and oh, Anna and Anna makes him makes him uh, phone in for the uh, artistic meeting, mm-hmm. where we meet the other directors, which we have not met before, and sheds for me a little bit more light on how a theater operates. So after after the conversation where where Anna says that he should call, phone in, then Kate and Claire. A scene with Kate and Claire deciding that they're going to go work on sense memory for Claire so she can be mad for Ophelia. <laughs> I don't think she needs any help with that, personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, my reaction to it was surprise, but not necessarily in a bad way, in a good way. First, apparently there's no FCC with seven words you can't say on television. And now this. Holy crow. <laughs> Yay for Canada. Well, this was on a, on a cable show, so. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, obviously, I've not watched very many cable shows, <laughs> but so um, yes, I you, guess you have. If you if you catch an episode of The Sopranos, you'll see uh, far worse in many places. Okay, okay, yeah. thank you. I have to be honest; I've never Thank-y. seen that. 
Yeah, I know. We, we were, we were going to try to get into it once, but we never did. Uh, well, yet. you watched it all. No, I watched all of like the first three or four seasons. Oh, okay. Okay, thank you so much for clarifying. Yes. Surprised. Thought, like, so it's not just a Canada thing. It's a cable yeah. TV thing. Indeed. Yeah. Okay. So at okay. the art meeting, we do get to uh, meet all of the various directors briefly. Uh, I don't think it's a spoiler for me to say I don't remember seeing them ever again. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't remember seeing those three directors at any point later on. I think they were there mostly just to say, I'm busy, I'm not going to direct Hamlet. Yeah, just for that one scene. Because they don't show up anymore in that show either, do they? No, they're not in that episode. And like I said, I don't, I don't think it, you don't really see anything except for the, uh, the main core shows of the, uh, of the series. Right, right. They don't, they don't have the guy with the Irish accent? Thing. No, you don't see the Chekhov or anything oh, like that. Okay. You just hear about it. They decide that and since uh, nobody in the room is uh, either ready or mentally equipped to direct Hamlet, they go to check with a guy named Darren Nichols, who Jeffrey clearly does not like. Hmm. And Jeffrey elects to work on the corporate seminar that Oliver would have otherwise been uh, leading. Even though he's... What did he say? It sounded horrible, but he wanted to do it? That sounds horrible. I'll do it. Yeah, okay. There you go. Or I don't know the direct quote, but... That's something like that. Yep, that was about right. And that was pretty funny, though. I like that. Mm-hmm. But we're starting to already get a little bit of a picture of who Darren Nichols is from uh, his reputation, at least in Jeffrey's opinion. I know him. Yes. We'll the get actor? to it. No, uh, no. I, I just, I know uh, that uh, character. People like that, I guess. We yes. will, we'll get to Darren Nichols. Yes. Um, anybody have any thoughts about the, uh, the toothpick substitute that Jeffrey had in his mouth? What was that? It, it was a razor blade. A double-edged razor blade. <laughs> Was? I was amazed that he was not cutting his mouth open, obviously. But that's a trick. It, it is a trick that people do, yeah. I mean, a lot of jugglers do that one, don't they? So, yeah, they do, and apparently he just does it unconsciously because he had a razor blade in his mouth the whole uh, scene. Huh. Yeah, at one point it looks like he's, like, biting down on it and chewing on it, and I'm like, ah. Uh, it gave me a little bit of the willies. Uh, yeah. Obviously, I knew it was just a prop, but just to see it was kind of uh, interesting. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I I had no idea what it was. Yes, that is a double-edged razor blade. Hmm. Oh. So, uh, Kate and Claire have uh, have taken care of that joint, and they're out in town. They are troubled over their state, and Claire runs off and abandons Kate. Oh. And see, this is where I kind of was like poop on this show. Not on the show, but I hate how Pot is very clichedly depicted. Yeah. Like, no one acts like that on pod, and they only do that, like, on television or movies or stuff like that when they want to portray people in an altered state. And if they're going to do that, they should do a different drug than marijuana because yeah. you, you get that reaction if they were doing, like, I don't know, shrooms or something. Yeah, I'd say if they were doing shrooms or LSD or something like that, it right. might be a better a better uh, experience into madness. After all, it's kind of what they were trying with LSD for do, a while. Do you, do you know that this madness. wasn't already, I mean, it could have been laced. Yeah, I know. We did have a friend who had yeah. had a joint that was dusted with some uh, something or another. Yeah, she saw blue for a week. <laughs> <laughs> she saw blue for a week. She yeah, did. She did. I was just disappointed with the backhanded comment they made about her stoner brother, and then they did the all the cliches about marijuana use, and it just seemed lazy and out, out of everyone. Like, I don't. Out of everyone, I, I think Jack was the one who seemed the most like he was probably actually on pot. Out of yeah, the three he of them. actually looked like he was a yeah. little stoned. Those two did not. Even people that have never done it before, and it's like their first or second time ever doing it, they don't act like that. I mean, it's just 
I don't know. It, that really kind of took me out, and it just seemed like they were pooping on a, uh, a a culture out there that didn't really need to be picked on, just because it was easy at the time to do. So, I yeah, don't know. I suppose. I mean, it was an easy way to get the two of them out of the house, and then to get uh, Claire to abandon Kate so that she could bump into Jack. Correct. So to use that as a plot device seemed lazy to me. Yes. But whatever. I, won't, I won't disagree own. with that. I won't disagree <laughs> with that. So, so Ben, can I ask you a question? Sure. Claire, Claire says, I know, what, I know that people who are on pot look like they're crazy, and she would be in a position to know that if her brother is a stoner. Right. So is she completely wrong? Is that she's another of those stupid TV? Wrong. Yeah, yeah she's okay. that is such a cliche. I mean, like LSD or something like that. Then, Even yeah, you're going to be crazy drunk, on that. But, if they were yeah. drinking alcohol and were just shit-faced, <laughs> that would be more logical than if they were stoned. Yeah. You you mean based on the way they were behaving? Or? Yeah, based on the way they're behaving or people that partake in alcohol or seem more insane to me than people that partake in marijuana. Clearly what's, oh, okay. what's funny about that, though, is they're trying to, you know, kind of do some sort of method acting while they should have actually maybe done the method acting. So <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah, no, because then they would have just how, been lethargic and kind of stoned. Well, I, I guess that's you, not as much fun to watch. Right. <laughs> True. And how do you, how do you method act? act someone who is going insane like Ophelia or Hamlet or is any thoughts on that? Well, you know, if you think about it, like uh, Dustin Hoffman, uh, he shadowed a guy for Rain Man, you know, it's... Oh, right. You, know, you, can, that would you, can, be... you can you can get some experience uh, being around people. Right. Mm-hmm. So they just need to shadow Jeffrey. There you go. <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. That would Absolutely. work. Because he looked like he was insane and not yes, on pot. <laughs> uh-huh. You see, I thought he was on something. I don't know. And maybe. He could have been. Maybe he's on... Uh, he has well, he little... is having delusions. Or not delusions, but hallucinations. Hallucinations. Yes. Did, did he have yeah. Hallmark baby eyes? What did that mean? I think they were what trying to... Su- you don't know I, I what su- that is? I suspect they mean precious moments, but for whatever reason, yeah. they didn't feel like they could say precious moments. Oh, okay. That yeah, that's good. right. Those things they, are... They might have gotten... They, they may have gotten the nicks on the pre- precious moments reference in... Uh, terms of connection with pot. Right. <laughs> right. I suppose. Right. Although, you know, if you think about it, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on a little bit. Uh, so now, um, Richard is still depressed and in bed, but Holly is going to raise his spirits by taking him to Toronto. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, if he doesn't get out of bed, uh, she's got ways to make sure that he does. Her man. Her man is going yes, to Yes, her be man there. will wash and dress him. Yes. Her, himself. Yes. I thought that was funny. Well, I thought that uh, it was interesting to see Mark McKinney slowly drag himself out of bed, which was just to show how much – is her name Holly? Yes. Uh-huh. Holly is in control of that relationship. Like, oh, yeah. Like he is not in control whatsoever. Like all, I, no one else could get him out of bed, and then she just said, hey, let's go to Toronto. I mean, and he, yeah. She could just pull those puppet strings wherever she is. Right, right. And she hey. makes a whole bunch of, for, like, slips, or for, not Freudian slips, but slips later on as to what her actual motive is. Right. And so it's it's just interesting to, that scene of him finally, like, getting out of bed was, I don't know, foreshadowing to me, I okay. guess. Okay, I have a question. Okay, going to that scene, his bed, did it, did it bother anybody else that his bed was, like, surrounded by a table and a desk and a chair? And did that did that bother you? It didn't bother me, and that's because I just moved into a new apartment, and I have, like, one of the biggest bedrooms I've had in a while. Uh-huh. And I currently have my bed set up island style, so okay. it's not touching any of the walls. I, I don't have enough room to, like, do a, 
uh, table behind it, but yeah. mm. I don't know. I, I kind of don't like you the, lose your pillow? Yeah, I okay. Do you see that totally would drive me crazy. <laughs> you see, you got just you know get it either get a headboard or shove it up against the wall. There you go. Well, see, and that's the thing is that I have like basically a box spring on uh, collapsible legs. Like it's not an actual like you know adult bed, I guess. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a big bed, but I mean it's not like what you, a thirty one year old should have. Uh, uh, I've had that bed. <laughs> so I don't know. It was just something new. I kind of yeah. like it. Okay. It makes me. Uh, it makes me feel like it's a different bed. I just thought that was an interesting set choice. I don't know. Was it because he works all the time? Is that it? I, he like works in bed. I don't know if they had a motivated reason or if it just makes it easier to frame for the shot. Well, maybe that's it. I'm probably reading too much into it. If they're using an actual location, it could be that the position of the bedroom door and such made it so that they had to shoot from a somewhat overhead position in a way that, you know, had to had to be there. And they mm-hmm. still had to incorporate all of those things. They couldn't. I just thought it was interesting. Yes. I thought it was too, since I just set my bed up like that. <laughs> Sweet. Sorry about the pillow, man. That sucks. Yeah, every night. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, I, can, I have a good idea for you. What's you go, that? go get one of those swimming noodles and tuck it under your sheets, and we'll give it a little speed bump before it. Uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. A swimming noodle at the I head of the bed. So. There you go. Um, so, next, getting back to the show. Sorry. <laughs> um, May comes into the offices and checks in with Anna and uh, runs into Ellen and Jeffrey as well. You remember the scene? No. No? Yeah. Oh. The the yeah. owner yeah, like the highest stone. highest up. The board board head. Oh yep, 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 yep. Okay, now I'm I'm with you. Sorry. You saw the blank look, didn't you? I did. <laughs> Sorry. The only thing about this scene that I thought was a little bit weird is that those two actresses like acting styles were drastically different. That it kind of threw me out a little bit. Like, um I don't know exactly if they just didn't have good chemistry and I picked up on that subconsciously, but or maybe uh May's not as good an actor as Ellen is, but I don't know. Did anybody else pick up on that, or am I just finding stuff to find stuff? Well, I, th- I think that character of Ellen is, you know, is the is the broader and flightier person to begin with. I'm not sure if ba- if May has ever done anything other than being a patron of the arts, right? Uh, so I think she's trying to be a you know a cooler or steadying influence. She's very diplomatic. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Ellen almost went into her off the deep end and then apologetic mode again, which is really starting to kind of annoy me, but I didn't like Ellen at all this episode. Maybe yeah. that's my big issue. I, I've never liked her, and I'm not going <laughs> to. It's clear that the office gossip is, is getting around because um, they all use the same term, not mentally equipped, that uh, was, was brought up inside the artistic meeting. So I'm right. sure, sure once everyone dispersed from the meeting, they were like, he said he wasn't mentally equipped. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they must have. Telephone. But uh, Je- uh, May encourages Jeffrey to uh, to revisit all the old haunts. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Interesting choice of words there, Mister Scriptwriter. <laughs> and for whatever reason, to get alone, uh-huh. to get some alone time or whatever, Jeffrey goes out to the main stage and stands up there, and things start to happen. <laughs> yeah, that was that a was really cool scene. It was. Go ahead, Darcy. It was. You know what I thought was really cool about it. I noticed, you know, at, at the beginning of of the show, the, when he was in his office, I looked, I looked at his costume. And I'm like, well, he looks kind of disheveled. But if you look at his outfit, he's got kind of this uh, big collar. That's, mm-hmm. but it, it's 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 even bigger than you know you would normally see, even you know whatever ten years ago this was. And you know he's got his cu- his cuffs are hanging out of his 
his coat and he's got his black coat on. And I'm like, I wonder, I wonder if this is going somewhere. I actually thought of that at the time. And then when I saw him on the stage, I was like, oh, look, he's wearing, he's wearing Hamlet's costume. So Yeah, he's wearing a version of Hamlet's costume that is less obvious during, right. the, uh, during the real life stuff. Right. And in so his fantasies. Yeah, he's got like the, the falling rough with the, with the big cuffs with the big cuffs that you would see. Yeah, so I thought that was neat. Yeah first part of that was more than just a fantasy it was a flashback yeah absolutely yep and here's oliver greeting him and having a conversation yep. as though he's just uh-huh. hanging out at the main stage with him mm-hmm. poor um jeffrey just wishes oliver would go away he does most of the time he does it does seem that way it's hard to be reminded that you're mad yeah i suppose so yeah i guess well apparently and he was doing very well uh, mentally i guess before he got thrown back into this world, and so he's slowly starting to break down again, or at least that's probably what he feels like. Actually, I could, I could speak of this a little bit from experience. My aunt had schizophrenia, and she, I say had because she's passed on. But mm-hmm. um, I, I always kind of thought it was interesting because she didn't know when she was slipping. You know, she had no clue. You know, she would talk about her her boyfriend that lived in Texas when, you know, for God's sake, she didn't even know anybody in Texas and how she was going to go get on the plane today to go see him. And, you know, and I just kind of wonder, because Jeffrey seems really annoyed about this. So I'm kind of, I, I, I don't know where that stands. Is it a crazy thing or is he haunting him? I, I don't know. You see, at first I thought he was totally crazy, but now... Now that I see that he's kind of annoyed by it, maybe he is, he's being haunted, but, you know, my personal beliefs, I don't believe that crap, but, you know. Well, yeah, so I think we can at least suspend the, uh, the disbelief in the ghost hunters and whatnot. Exactly. <gasps> what was that? <laughs> but that doesn't mean the show won't, like, you know, in, embrace that. Indeed. Although I doubt that it will. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested to know, you don't think that, I mean, it happens a little bit later when he sees him again during the interview, but he seems to have a hard time separating those two so maybe he does think that it's you know one and the same yeah and who knows who knows what it is for him i i'm having a hard time placing that one because at first i thought he was just crazy but now i I wonder because yeah for me i really i'm really enjoying the way the show is keeping it somewhat ambiguous Mm-hmm. Whether or not there is an actual ghost, or Jeffrey is just imagining slash hallucinating slash going insane. Right. There was a, a line of dialogue in the scene though that did also bother me, which is another reason why I was kind of like semi let down by this episode. And it's just it's thrown away real fast. But Oliver says apparently there is an afterlife, despite what they taught us at university, which. I mean, everybody can believe whatever they want to believe, but that just seemed like it was kind of an attack on, like, uh, religion in schools or something like that. I know that mm-hmm. university is college, and, and that's, you know, not the same. And they probably don't even have the same kind of debate that we have here in the States as far as separation of church and state. Right. But it seemed like it was a very, like, passive-aggressive dig, and I didn't expect that to come from this show. But I'm not okay. sure whether they were saying that uh, university was was being that the universities are atheist or that the university. I'm not sure exactly what they were saying. Well, it seemed to me like the that whoever wrote that line, like as an American and who is kind of involved or has an opinion on that topic, uh, a very strong opinion. To me, it, it sounded like it was an undercut. And I, it, it just it struck out it stuck out to me. I don't think that, or I'm not saying that was the intent. 
Right. Uh, especially because I don't think it's as big as an issue up there as it is down here. Right. Um, but it, it just it rubbed me the wrong way, and I was already off-put by the whole lazy drug scene. So Right. right. I don't know. For me, uh, that, that whole comment, you know, I did... Uh, I heard it, and I thought to myself, yeah, yeah, I know what he means, okay? And my my thinking is that, you know, if you go into university and you get a humanities degree, you know, oftentimes um, they, they, they actually do teach the, the Bible as uh, right alongside, like, Greek, Greek mythology and some of the 101 classes. So, you know, that's, that's where I thought it came from. Either that or, also, uh, for many of you out there, you probably do not know, my father, he went to, to school at Providence, Rhode Island, and he was going to become a priest. And uh, I have to be honest, I'm really glad he did not, because <laughs> here I am. But, uh, and he told me that, you know, as he was going through, they, you know, the, the priests and fathers that he was learning from, they, they taught him to question because it yeah. was, it, it, they, they thought, you know, it, it's really important for you to either totally be on board or not. You know, if you're not, you need to know now. So you don't, you know, take your vows. And, but mm-hmm. so I thought, I thought maybe that, that could have been it as well. And I would, I, I would agree with that view. I think that's absolutely true. My, my interpretation, I have to say, was completely different from all of yours. I thought, um, well, at least Oliver is saying, silly universities. The universities were wrong about that part. Mm-hmm. So maybe the, so it's, now that you mention it, it's possible that that might have been what the writers were saying. Mm-hmm. At, or that was how I interpreted it anyway. Right. And I think that's what it, what it really boils down to is my own interpretation of it and how I feel at this time and place versus what that writer was really saying 10 years ago. Right. Uh, but it was just, it's something that stuck out, and it was just a very small line that was like, if you weren't really paying attention, you missed it. But apparently all three of us caught it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just, uh, it it stuck me the wrong way, and maybe that's just because I'm a little bit too defensive sometimes when it comes to that. But I didn't uh, have a reaction necessarily to it, although I do have, I do share some of your stronger beliefs there, uh been but uh i kind of thought that it was more of a more of just a throwaway line that could have just have easily been to my surprise there appears turns out there's an afterlife but he didn't say that right yeah now yeah. That you mention it he could you're right he could just as easily have said that or the writers could just have easily had made it that way right right i think just bringing up the word university is what kind of set me off Right. But, you know, if you think about it, there's so many different kinds of universities, so... Correct. Oh, yeah. Correct. And I didn't think, you know, I don't have a humanities degree, so maybe... I I didn't really think about it from that perspective either. I don't really know what's involved in that kind of curriculum, so... Yes. It's... Yeah, they they tend to just... They they take a really broad stance on it. Yeah, I'm not positive... I'm not positive at this time whether we have any Canadian listeners. I guess I can't remember where Heidi's from, and I don't know who else is listening. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I don't know what university in Canada, you know... I mean, yes, I think... I figure, you know, we went to school in Montana. It was was similar, right? It's pretty Uh, close to Canada. Yeah, I don't know. I suspect suspect he's probably talking about York or something like that. So I don't know. Uh, Someone who went to York might have to uh, chip in if they're out there. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, so following that scene, uh, Kate and Jack have just gone to see Jack's latest movie, and they talk about the differences between uh, film acting and stage acting. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yep. uh, Jack seems to think that uh, you know he likes to be able to go and put the whole 
the whole movie down and then find out what the audience thinks while he's not actually in the role uh, versus um, what most theater uh, acting, most theater actors, you know, prefer to to be uh, getting that instant feedback from the audience to some extent and to sort of work as a symbiotic relationship between the audience and the actor. Uh, But Jack seems to find that distracting. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's very interesting. I would think that being the being the on-stage actor would be more fun, but that's just my opinion. Well, yeah, because like she said, you know, if it's working right away, I think it's a direct quote. And and I, I really believe that that's, that's true, having, you know, known... Actually, I've, I've known both, both ends of that, so... Well, as far as this conversation is concerned, I can see his argument, um, as, particularly as someone who has a film degree. I can kind of see where he's coming from. I think that it was kind of, again, handled a very interesting way. But, of course, he's supposed to be playing a very dumb actor, I guess, or Hollywood actor. Right. All the people that I know that do film currently have a, have a stage history behind them, too, so I don't know. But I'm sure that there are some people out there that just go straight into movies. Like, I kind of want to like him, but at the same time, he dresses like a bro, and sometimes I like him, and sometimes I'm like, this guy's a douchebag. Like, I keep going back and forth on him, so it'll be interesting to see how my feelings are. Like, even in this episode, I kind of went back and forth on him. It'll be interesting to see how it goes throughout the series. Yeah, I I have to be honest, I'm having a hard time buying him at all. As an actor of any sort? As an actor of any sort. Here's, here's, uh, let's see if I can put this into words. Here's the deal. It seems to me, you know, the the film actors I have known versus the stage actors I have known, the film actors actually tend to be more humble, have, uh, and I mean, dear God, people don't take this wrong. They they tend to, I feel that the intelligence is more uh, genuine as opposed to, I feel that there's a lot of pseudo intellectuals in the theater. I really feel that way. But mm. well, I think that might have to do. I mean, everybody's different, regardless of what side you're on. But I think that the I know that acting on screen is like the actual process of doing it is a little bit more intimate, I believe, uh-huh. because you're working so closely with the director and you know you're very aware that the camera is right in front of your face versus theater of audience members and the method of acting is more subtle than on stage where on stage you have to be performing for everyone including the person in the back which is the classic, you know, line or whatever. So it's always a little bit more extroverted i guess is the word right it's exaggerated mm. i i like i said i just i'm having a hard time buying him at all but that's yeah well that's i think and i think we're supposed to kind of feel that way and that's why i kind of go back and forth on him because sometimes I'm like all right you're just a dick and sometimes i'm like oh i kind of like you but for the most part you're just a dick yeah i, I yeah. think I, i'm holding him at an arm's length how's that sound mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think I'm- that i am trying to do that as well sorry i it's okay. I'm I'm getting the impression typical hol- dub kind of dumb uninteresting Hollywood celebrity mm-hmm. there to be a foil for the stage actors because he apparently has not from the way he talks about it he evidently does not have a history of of acting on the stage and here he is asked to be Hamlet after being in what is evidently a action movie. Right. Well, so. you know you know what uh, I just kind of realized is that this is 2003, right? Yes. Right. In 2004, Paris Hilton does The Simple Life or whatever. Nicole Richie becomes famous, and then um, Kim Kardashian becomes famous. So all these celebutants that are famous for being famous are start to be a thing, and I think that is what Jack is supposed to be. 
a character of. Okay. It's just they didn't ex- really exist as an archetype in 2003, or they were about to become, you know, as big as they are now. That's right. Paris Hilton was on the second episode of Veronica Mars. Oh, boy. And as I have a character. To, yeah, if you think about it also, Paul, I don't really follow that sort of thing. I kind of hold that. You, have, you, you hold reality. Well. At, I really do. I don't. You hold reality TV at bay. Whether you're holding reality at bay is. Well, I don't know. I'm working real hard, and it isn't. No, but anyway. Well, that's what I'm saying, though, is that like I think that that kind of like the reality television star is kind of more of how I think Jack is supposed to be portrayed. It's just that there wasn't a clear cut example of that in 2003, or at least you know that's my feelings of it right now. Yeah, I don't know what. When did well, they start I mean, doing that? I well, I did. I, I mean, I did. I did say uh, at some point that, that that he is alleged to be based on Keanu doing Hamlet at Manitoba. Oh yeah. Well then, <laughs> and actually, you know that that fits in very well. The Keanu archetype is. I can oh my totally gosh, see that. that's Dude. absolutely right. <laughs> I can totally see that too. Uh, uh, reality television Survivor started in two thousand, uh, and then really started taking off. I mean. Like, we started getting them all the time, like 2003, 2004. Yeah. I mean, the real world started in, like, 1994. Oh, yeah, that's that's the, yeah, uh, the original. And that's, and that's yeah. what I think of when people say real, reality TV because I'm really old. So. Do you not watch, do you not watch Project Runway, Darcy? Uh, you because know what? I, that shit is good. I don't. I really watch very little TV. You guys would be yeah. surprised. It's pathetic, actually. Well, actually, it's probably not pathetic. Maybe it yeah. makes me a better person. I don't know. I don't know. We're, we, we're, we're not, like, uh, we're, we're, we're not the, uh, the, uh, Intellectual snooty types who say I don't watch television, but we yeah. actually don't see much. I mean, yeah, you know, <laughs> right. I watch I watch some stuff, and it's usually complete garbage when I watch it. So correct, and I don't I don't watch television either. In fact, I don't even own one anymore. But I would recommend uh, Project Runway, although one of the main judges left, so it's not as good as it used to be. Okay. Or you may like Face Off, which is a um, it's not costumes; it's like. Uh, theater makeup reality television competition. Oh, that would be awesome. And what's good about those shows, it's not so much about like the petty bickering like that The Hills was about. Uh-huh. It's about people that are really good at their craft and being really good at their craft. Like I know nothing about couture dresses, but I right. can watch 10 people make awesome couture dresses and be fascinated by it. See, but the thing is, I wonder if I would feel the same because I, I might, I'd be like, you're doing that wrong, you know? Well, Maybe see, yeah, I have no background. You're right, so, so I don't know. Who knows? Okay. Well, I think the tangent has spent itself <laughs> out. <laughs> we chased that rabbit, didn't we? Yes. Okay. Well, we get a, an actual perfect introduction because we don't actually see much of him, but uh, I can tell you about the uh, the actor next. But we have uh, entry of Darren Nichols on the scene. And he pretty much is just coming in, talking on his cell phone, and you get a brief look at him. The actor is Don McKellar. He is an actor, writer, director. He's really big in Canadian indie movies, um, and I know him from a couple of those. Uh, he was in a movie. He acted in a movie called Way Downtown that I saw, uh, and he's the director of a show of a movie called Last Night, which is about the end of the world, and that's pretty cool too. Uh, so I, I've seen both of those. He was the uh, writer of uh, 32 short films about Glenn Gould, which was a you know really big indie. Although I've not actually seen it, but it was a big indie back in the. Uh, what, early 90s, I think? Uh, but like I said, he wrote and directed the movie Last Night. He was the writer, uh, or a co-writer of The Red Violin, Ooh. which was big enough for Oscars. Yeah, that's a great movie. And um, he also co-wrote the book and won, won the Tony for writing the book for The Drowsy Chaperone. And he co-wrote that with Bob Martin, who is one of the three co-writers of this series. 
We might wait until we get a little bit bigger bigger look at Darren Nichols to ask all of your opinions of him. But uh, if anybody has anything short they want to say, otherwise we'll move on. Yeah, I, I, you know, he reminds... I, remember, I said, he reminds me of this guy. Remember that guy? I remember the guy's first name, and I cannot remember. His first name was Paul as well. Okay. So, do you remember mm-hmm. him, Paul? I remember that... Was it Nebraska? It was in Nebraska. Yeah, I don't remember. He looks remember. just like... I mean, he... But the thing is, the Paul we knew was really awesome, and... Yeah, he was, he was pretentious, but good at... Good, good, pretentious because he was good. No, I never thought he was pretentious, ever. Oh, then why did you think he was like this guy? No, it just looks like him. Oh, like, okay. spitting image, like doppelganger. Um, so the next scene is, uh, is the interview scene at the bar. Basil is interviewing Jeffrey and is unknowingly being interrupted constantly by Oliver. And we get some of the backstory in this scene between uh, Jeffrey and Darren Nichols. Once again, Sean Collin is awesome. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. He is by far my favorite character. Just eat that up with a spoon. <laughs> I loved that scene. That was that was quite a speech from Jeffrey. He got yes. to tell. He finally gets to tell someone who who's actually listening to him what he really feels right. about the theater. The actual, like, you know, coffee mug that says art, an actual product mm-hmm. that says art, that was a very good analogy. Is that yeah. the word I'm looking for? Uh, exactly. Yeah. Made uh-huh. in Malaysia by children, five-year-olds, <laughs> I believe. Right. Um, and then following the, uh, following the interview scene, we have Richard arriving in Toronto and Ellen and Sloan having a little bit of sexy fun time. Well, a couple of little very short vignettes at the, end of the, at the end of the act. Yeah. What was the point of that shot of Ellen and Sloan? I have no idea. Yeah, I have I zero clue why that no had idea. to be there. All I could think of was that it kind of uh, mirrored the Richard and Holly shot that just happened. And I also, it kind of reminds the audience that she's into younger guys because that plays an effect a little bit later. I guess. But it was just gratuitous, I thought. I mean, usually it's the other sex around, but I mean... It just seemed like it was just there to show that guy half uh, naked. I don't know. Yeah, I he got his, it, he got his shirt so. off, and someone was like, wow, you got abs. we got to get that on film. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, too, because it's like, okay, here are the people who have sex, and the rest do not. Yeah, but... <laughs> Uh, so starting off the next act, when uh, Jeffrey arrives the next morning, he finds that the interview was received, uh, well, poorly. <laughs> what, what did it say? It said a- asshole, right? Yes, Wrong. I think it was asshole Instead on the... Instead of artistic uh, director uh, Artistic anymore? director was yeah. painted over. Oh, on I the, must have missed that. <laughs> yeah, right when he arrived at his parking spot, it said artistic director, but there was graffiti over it saying asshole. I was probably <laughs> making a note of why was there a shot of this naked man. Yes. Yeah, that was still bothering you. That's okay. <laughs> And uh, Anna briefs him on his uh, daily schedule, and it is revealed that Jeffrey and Darren have previously dueled at university. I want to duel. I think that would be fun. <laughs> My brother was a fencer when he was in high school, and I'm kind of jealous that he got to wield a sword. That looked like so much fun. Yes. Yeah, Zach was an epi. Uh, I think he was epis. That looked, looked like He was really good. He almost got into the Junior Olympics, and oh. then he uh, tore his ACL. Ooh. And that was the end. Yep, that is the end. <laughs> Okay, uh, the, so the other uh, revelation in the uh, in the scene is that uh, Darren appears to be directly confrontational. He's, he's not going to uh, get by. Um, Jeffrey's not going to get by with just having Darren pass him in the hall. They they actually have to be at the reading together. Mm-hmm. In the contract. As required in the contract. Yes, in the contract. Uh, so it's corporate workshop time. <laughs> and at the corporate workshop. We meet uh, Terry from accounting, uh, one of the only real speaking roles on on camera. There's the 
the you the money man guy who was totally annoying. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, if you you've worked in an office like that, there is always he, a guy like that, isn't there? He didn't even feel yep, real to me, but yeah, but the, the, even the guy in the office that is real doesn't feel real when you have to deal uh, with it. I suppose. <laughs> but Terry from Accounting in the back is played by Bob Martin. He is the third creator of the series. We have all have seen all three of them on camera now. Oh, nice! Oh, cool. Um, he uh, was the third creator and writer of the show, and um, as as I noted previously, he co-wrote the uh, Drowsy Chaperone with Don McKellar and won a Tony. Uh, he was also in the cast. Um, I don't personally know the Drowsy Chaperone, but he's the man in the chair. I believe he sort of serves as a narrator, uh, but I don't know for sure because I haven't seen it. More recently, he also wrote the musical adaptation of Elf. Hmm. <laughs> There's a music. Interesting. Okay. Uh, yes. That's very Mamma Mia-ish. It is. A little bit. A exactly. Little bit. Yeah, it is. It's very funny. Um, but it's said that his experiences from working on the Drowsy Chaperone are part of the inspiration for Slings and Arrows. Hey, you said this is the third of the three creators to show up? That's correct. Can you remind us who the other two were and what uh, they That played? is uh, Susan Coyne as Anna and Mark McKinney as Richard. Which one's Anna? Anna is the, the, the general manager that's uh, arranging everybody's schedule and everything. Oh, okay. I, I call her secretary lady in my head, although I know her name's Anna. <laughs> She's got the Dorothy Hamill cut. Yes. Nice. Well, then uh, those two are major characters. Yeah, those two are major characters. Terry is going to uh, reoccur. He didn't seem like he was going to. Uh, he might, because he loved acting. Yeah, he, and he is a second. He is. He's the second. <laughs> uh, so now it becomes time for, uh, time for the... Uh, Hamlet table read. Um, I, I did a little bit of Google foo, and I really could not find. And Darcy has informed me that she has never heard of pinching your understudy. That's I, good I luck. Have not. I think she made it up just to be mean. Just to, just to get to, back at yep, her for the. Eye I thing. got. I got that impression as well. I'd never heard of that, and I thought that's got to be something Claire is making up. Yeah, never heard of that. Uh, apparently the whole town is gossiping about Kate and Jack, who is clearly apparently not gay, much to the chagrin of one of Frank and Cyril. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Jeffrey, uh, briefly introduces Darren Nichols, and we find out a little bit more about Darren Nichols from his, uh, his thoughts on what the show should be. Yeah, that was strange. Yeah, but, yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> is this when they... Yeah. When they actually start doing the lines, or is there another scene? Uh, that's that's later on. This is just where he's describing that the play is dead, and he wants it to be dead and mm-hmm. rotten. rotten. Literally and, rotten. Yes. Yeah. I've yeah, been there. <laughs> yes, they don't actually get to the reading. I believe the, the closing line of the scene is, let's read this corpse. I hope I didn't steal mm-hmm. anybody's quote. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darcy, do you care to elaborate on that? You know, you so- it, it's... Uh, <laughs> There, there are a couple shows I, I did. Um, one of them was uh, they, and it's it's almost always when they fly somebody in from New York, you know, <laughs> and you know, doing theater in the Midwest is a completely different experience than if you live on either of the coasts, I'm sure. But whenever mm-hmm. they fly somebody in from New York, they have to come in with these grandiose ideas of you know how they're going to make it. I don't know. Dada or whatever they want it to be. It's it, they, and then they they oh, do they just okay. like totally poop all over it and make it <laughs> make it no fun for anybody involved. You know, it's it, I mean it it doesn't have to be fun. You know that that's not that's not what I'm trying to say. But 
if it's it doesn't need to be um you know angels in america it doesn't need to be um yeah it doesn't need to be you're, you're, equus it doesn't need me, to be <laughs> let me ask you this darcy yeah do you think though that those directors are using middle america as like their testing ground for ideas that haven't fully formed and they just kind of want to see what happens and that's why it seems to recur a lot you know, it's possible. That's possible. I had never thought of that, but usually, I don't know. Also, it's I ego, and they're going to make it big, and they're going to do it with this show. Yeah, and yeah. everybody the whole time is just kind of rolling their eyes, and they're like, "Okay, we'll just we'll, we'll get it done, and we'll see how much we can hold them back." Because yeah, I mean, you get a lot of you get a lot of off the wall interpretation. You're you're never going to fly someone in from the coast, and they're going to say, "Okay, I think we should do this." With uh, regular street clothes and with some minimal props, and no, we'll do it. No, it's always, you know... It's you always, I'm going to make this big and weird and... And then this is where the elephant comes in, but it ha- it's a puppet elephant, and it's two stories high, and what do you mean we don't have the budget for that? And <laughs> it's just, make make the budget for that, and it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I've, I have worked with somebody very, very much like that, and it's... it's uh, it's never good. Do you want to but, show, say the show in setting? You know, um, no, I don't. Okay. Actually. But uh, <laughs> also there's another, uh, actually it's a director in town that's not from around here. Um, <laughs> and uh, their theater actually failed not too terribly long ago. Hmm. Um, and, I, I, you know, I'd seen a couple of different productions there. Some of them were, like, really spectacular and others were just, like, crap. So it was really hit and miss. So... All right. That's that's my thought. Okay, and then we get a we get another one of these sort of vignette scenes that doesn't necessarily go anywhere. But Holly and Richard are preparing to see Mamma Mia, and picking out a tie. Oh God! Why why would you even want to wear a tie to Mamma Mia? Well, really? I would. Is that not like the equivalent of Broadway? Like going to uh, touring Toronto show. and seeing a big yeah? Is it big a, is it a, is it a touring no. show in Toronto or is it a staging in Toronto? It's, it's got to be touring. Those are all touring. Those are all touring, aren't touring they? shows. Because yeah. like even when we were in Nebraska, we had that big touring house, and yeah. they would bring in you know whatever it was that month. I can't remember what we saw there. Well, I think we saw. Well, we saw Stomp there. That's not really a, a, a show. No, I mean, a, a, a play. They like they did Will, Will Rogers Folly. Yes, we saw that together. Fan, I think Phantom went through, and I was like, "Eh, not going." You know, yeah. it's <laughs> overdone. Well, no, I would just I was just commenting on the fact that they were wearing a tie to a to a production in the big city, like. I suppose. I suppose one does frequently. I suppose one does frequently. Maybe I don't know. Toronto doesn't seem that way to me, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm misjudging. Yeah, Toronto. I'm not sure if we saw that end of Toronto when I we were there. I don't think we did. I think we saw the uh, the the seedy underbelly and the, uh, the the hardcore artistic types. It wasn't seedy. It was no, it really wasn't seedy. nice. No, it was like the nicest big town I've ever, big city I've been in. It <laughs> it was gorgeous. So. I agree. For for all Holly said, it was. CD and that well for all Holly said big cities are places that have homeless people I didn't get that vi- that vibe of being urban and blighted from the shot of Toronto but and Toronto's I agree not like that I don't think yeah I mean we saw panhandlers but they were polite oh they were very <laughs> polite I would I would have given them my whole wallet they were so, and they were not you know they weren't dirty, I'm sorry you know. <laughs> 
I I shouldn't I should I now I wish I hadn't opened my mouth because you've been there and I haven't. Well, yeah, but the thing is, so. it's a really nice nice town, and um, I don't see it as seedy or dirty. You know, I actually I feel like uh, you know, of all the cities. Here we go. And I'm gonna go off on another tangent. You know, I have not been to New York. I have not been to L.A. But of the cities that I have been to, the bigger cities, I feel um, everybody's going to laugh. Denver's not a big city. Denver is the dirtiest yeah, is. town. It's the dirtiest town I have ever been to. I grew up there. I can say that. So hmm. it's just, you know, seedy and gross. And Okay. Where, where, did you and realize we're back on Tangent Alley again? Yes, because <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I roll. You can cut it all out if you want. Oh, uh, not likely. Um, so then we're back to the actual... Uh, play reading, and uh, Jack is struggling with the big speech, the big one, to be or not to be. Yeah. That is the question. Um, and, and now... Oh, go ahead. Did you feel sorry for him? I felt a little sorry for him. I, I did, felt like, yeah. I did, I felt too. Like, uh, I, I felt a little bit suspicious of how badly he was doing, because I, I feel like anybody... I feel like anybody who's been through high school has at least... Had the page had that word those words on the page in front of them before? Yeah, I feel that way. I don't know if it's true. Mm-hmm. But if uh, you're ner- well, maybe he's nervous. And honestly, dude, I don't know that that solilo- whatever that line. All I know is the to be. Is it a soliloquy? Okay, see, I don't even know what yes, it's called. It is. Mm-hmm. I know that to be or not to be. That is the question. That is as far as I know in that whole thing. Whether to whether it is to no- nobler in the mind. Okay. Okay. The okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. I got that. fortune or by or. Uh, See, you guys can quote it. Yeah, but but that's the thing. I felt sorry for him because even if you know something like that, you you don't necessarily. If you're under pressure and you know you've got this lady who's going off on this really crazy Ophelia jag. Yeah, that's the next thing. We do get uh, Claire as Ophelia as well. (laughs) Yeah, but but uh, but now we know why. Well, we don't know why we're called the Ghost Light, but now we know why Slings and Well, you probably already knew why it was called Slings and Arrows, but that's where that line comes from. Yeah. Indeed. Correct? Exactly. Indeed. Yep. Uh, so we do get some, uh, some Clara's Ophelia, and Oliver mocks everything during it, uh, revealing that Claire isn't a co- is not a company member based on her talents, as though we couldn't already see this. Mm-hmm. But there's an evil niece of some uh, board, member. board member or, uh, or financer. I, I can relate. Mm-hmm. I once had a... Um, one of my co-workers on my AmeriCorps team was the granddaughter of a board member. Yeah, she was she she was a hard worker. Okay. She was kind of the crazy party girl, but she was mm. a hard worker. At least as far as I know, she she but she certainly loved her job. We were roommates for part for part of the year, so I know hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But I thought, hmm, this can't possibly be a coincidence. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, and then, you know, going back to, you know, the, the actual theater um, and that happening, I know for a fact in universities, if your parents donate a large sum to a particular theater department, that you will get the roles. I know that for a fact. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we see that she's not necessarily real, all, all that very good. I, some of it is surprising to me because I've been to table reads and table reads typically especially if it's a show that is going to get fully directed later on are typically fairly dry affairs I mean you see Ellen reading her part and she's just reading she's reading it in pentameter and and doing a decent job of it she's not uh she's not going all out with it no 
Well, and that's the purpose of them, right? It's just to kind of not go all out or find the characters yet. Yeah, or typically. Is it? Well, it's it's typically. Yeah. I mean, this very, very, very first time you do it as a group. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's that that's the that kind of table read. There are table reads where if it's a a presentation table read where it's a, a new a new play and they're presenting it to uh, right. to the to the town or to the community or something like that, they'll they'll tend to um, ask actors in that'll that'll do a little bit of interpretation. But something like this is just yeah, we're yeah. We're, we're we're getting we're, we're beginning to get used to the lines that they exist and here's what they are and here's what my lines are here's what your lines are and a little bit maybe of the timing of putting the two together. But that's right. about it. Right. right. It, there really is no direction or um, you know singing. interpretation at that point. Definitely not singing. <laughs> Certainly not. But this is this is the scene where I started to come around on this episode. And by the end of the whole episode, I was on board with it. But this is where it starts to turn around, mainly because of the singing and Jeffrey's reactions to everything. Right. That was. It was yeah. It it that it was out of control. It was awesome. Yep. And Jeffrey Jeffrey ends up. Uh, having an outburst against Oliver that is misinterpreted as telling Claire to shut up, which really isn't much of a big deal. No. It worked out for the best it, for everybody it involved. It really does. It really um, does. And uh, Darren, Darren has a conversation with Jeffrey uh, for, the, for the, I think, the first time directly without uh, someone else uh, being part of it. Cool. So Holly and, Holly and Richard had a wonderful time at their show. They come out of the uh, theater showing Mamma Mia, the, I think the Royal Alexandra or Lady Alexandra. I can't remember what it's called exactly, but... They come out of the big theater and they're uh, they're practically dancing out of there, having a great time. Because they were they were dancing in their seats. And moments uh, before, Richard uh, Richard Richard's reason for being in the theater is revealed, and it is apparently through uh, via musical theater. And uh, Richard uh, gets a little bit of uh, talk at the dinner uh, at dinner time about uh, how he actually feels about Shakespeare and that he does not like Shakespeare. And, you know, there are many, many people out there that do not. So, there you go. And is that a bad thing? You know, it's. I wouldn't say it is bad. You know, I think it, it has its purpose, but I don't think no. that everybody has to love it. There's no no reason for that. I don't know that a, uh, um, a major well-known Shakespeare festival should be forced to, to take the Shakespeare out, though. I believe that that's... No. Right. That's why they're there. Yeah, it is what well, it is. He should not be working there. He should be working somewhere else if he doesn't if he doesn't like Shakespeare. But I I don't think that it's a bad thing that someone not not like a particular piece of work. That's you know a matter of preference or t- nah, I don't want to say mm-hmm. taste, but preference, or, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Because I, I am I interested. I'm interested to, and maybe we can just talk about it now. I'm interested to know what you guys think about the movement that I guess was starting around this time and has really blown up in the in the first decade of the 2000s, and that's like the the revival of Broadway. And I'm guessing maybe it started with, and by I'm using that term loosely, but I'm guessing it started with like The Lion King, and mm-hmm. then like Mamma Mia, and then now there's Shrek, and like there's just the the Book of Mormon is apparently really good. I've never read saw that, but I mean like. These musical slash uh, yeah, plays I mean, that are that are very family friendly and are based off of movies sometimes, and like well, even though Mama Mia is not, but started with Cats. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, that's Cats. When it, no, that's when it all started. This whole big touring, you know, you take this big huge show and well, yeah, but I mean, I think in, in terms of in, and, in terms of Broadway in general, I mean, there there was Cats in a chorus line, and they both ran forever. Yeah. And there wasn't anything else happening. I mean, there, I know that I know there was other things happening on Broadway, and there was there was off Broadway and everything. But the but the, big, the, two the big shows, yeah. I mean, you had the big tourist shows, and they just sat there for almost a whole decade until you start, started to get uh, 
the revival of Phantom and Miss Saigon and things like that. Yeah, Andrew Lloyd Webber was able to get a couple more in there, and then things got... But then it was all Andrew Lloyd Webber for a long time. Yeah, and then it was about Spectacle landing a helicopter on the stage and yeah, uh, you know absolutely. all that sort of thing. Well, spectacle is a good word. That, I mean, I, as someone who knows nothing and has only been to a couple of plays in my entire life, when I look at what's happening now, particularly like with the Shrek musical, which is just gigantic, or um, I don't know, just other movie movie slash musical things like that that seem very corporate heavy, yeah. very like bring your little kids to this, yes. that kind of stuff. Oh, been there. Do you remember the name of the last musical we went to together, Darcy? Spam a lot. That's right. Uh. <laughs> well, how was it? Oh, it was wonderful. It was, it was a lot it of was fun. funny. I mean, it was it was totally that. But it it was awesome for I mean, what it was. Yeah, I mean, I I, I could have, I could imagine it being bad if uh, someone else it was in someone else's hands, but it was in the creator's hands to begin with. It so. was, and I who were the I can't even remember who was in it when we went to see. Yeah, it. I mean, it was the touring show, so it wasn't as major as I some of the people. They, they usually try to get one marquee cast member, but I can't remember who it was. They didn't well, have one, I don't think. Well, in the theater community, is there like a disconnect between those type of there like, is. absolutely movies yes. or not movies but yeah. productions? And then actual like quote unquote more serious productions. Right. No, they're it's it's they're completely different things. And and, and many of the people who feel that they're doing real theater are uh, extremely disdainful of the major spectacle shows. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, I kind of wonder. And you know, again, having having worked both 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 sides of that line, I wonder if it's because they're just like really hungry and didn't get a paycheck that week. Yeah, I mean the people that did? are people are doing a fringe <laughs> production for. Uh, for 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 twelve people, four, four nights of Fringe Festival probably feel a little bit spiteful. Well, yeah, they you, you know, but the thing is, they they shouldn't because they're just it's a completely different thing. So, and not everyone does. Don't get me wrong; they don't all feel that way. But I think generally, you know, those shows are looked down upon. But mm-hmm. you know, when it's you, you come down to the point of well, you're going to lose your car. Or you need to like you know get a get a job. You know, you're gonna go usher at the uh, at the big theater in town, or you're gonna find a touring show and get on it. So. If you're gonna try to work as a playwright but end up living on the street, right? Yeah. Well, do you think that productions like that uh, are dumbing down theater with a capital T, like the general thing, or like by making it more accessible to? I, the I, mass, mass audience. Nope, I think the, I think all. I think the, the the apt cliche would really be a rising tide floats all boats. I mean, you're going to get if you get more people starting to go to the major spectacle shows, and then maybe oh, you know, there's a you theater down the street that's down. doing something. Trickle down, isn't that yeah? Yeah, and I that's I, an it, economics thing. It is, yeah, and I don't Reagan. I don't see I don't see them as a big nasty evil. I I really do think that it has its place, but mm-hmm. you know, as far as it being you know art. You know, no, it's really just a big commercial, and that's fine. It is. So, so it's the difference between Transformers Three and you know some indie film. Exactly, something like the that. Piano, I, or I don't know, yeah. but yeah. I like to. I'll, I will go out on a limb and be extremely optimistic here and say that kids who are getting into these family-friendly productions are more likely to go to adult-oriented productions when they are grown-ups. Right. That is so, a good right. point. Right. You know, and I, I have to I had to say that, you know, when he was like, Oh, I went what show did he say he went to see? 
Who? Um, what's his Paul, name? Paul, was it? Uh, uh, Richard, what did he say he went to see? Richard, what show? Was it Chorus Line? Oh, yeah, it was a Chorus Line. Chorus Line. Yeah, yes. you know, and then for me, like, seriously, when I was 13, I went to see Cats, and it was it was amazing, and I couldn't, I couldn't believe that that's how theater could be done. It, it was, you know, and being, you know, 13 years old and very impressionable, I thought, oh, my gosh, that's that's... Just amazing. And that was your entrance, or that wasn't the only play I'd been to. See. I'd been to see some other ones, but that was the first, you know, spectacle play that right. I had gone to see. And you know, I couldn't believe the set. I couldn't believe the costume. I couldn't believe, you know, how t- it was. Uh, and for me, at thirteen years old, it was so awesome. I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. Yes, and it led you to investigate the art further, right? No, yeah. I was already in. Oh, okay, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, myself, I mean, I'm not, I'm not directly related with the theater very much at all, other than being married to you. I drag you along, but uh, <laughs> but I, I, I come, I come at it from a completely different angle, being from this town, because all of the initial theater that I saw was, you know, um, Pandora was. Um, Children's Theater Company was. I saw several Guthrie shows before I was, uh, you know, barely into high school. Right. So, it, but this this town's really different than yeah you know, the most most towns I think. Well, we have more theaters per capita than yeah, than you know, a lot of places. A lot of places. So, but to get it back to Slings and Arrows, you Indeed. guys do think that by using that trip to Toronto and Mamma Mia, that they were trying to kind of make a little bit of a statement of big business theater. A little right. bit, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, obviously, uh, you know, like like we said, Bob Barton had some major experience on Broadway prior to making this uh, show. So I, I, I feel like the, the, the show is trying to make a distinction and say that the, the spectacle shows are not where it's at and that the, uh, the, the, the Shakespeare is what's important. But, I mean, mm-hmm. they, they have to come down in a certain place. They have to come down and have some kind of opinion right. of the art versus commerce. So, right. and I, mean, I, mean, I, think, I think ultimately if you asked any of them, they would not necessarily have, bad, have horrible things to say about any particular right. production, right. Mamma Mia or otherwise. But I think personally that each, each thing has its place, personally, is what I believe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Especially I the agree. ones with the paycheck. Well, shall shall we move Uh along a little further then? Yep. Sure. Okay, the actors are commiserating over both Darren and Jeffrey in in, uh, negative ways at the bar. Uh, Jeffrey enters and Ellen confronts him and then uh, she does the the sixth grade things to do and says, Oh, everybody come to my house except for you guys. (laughs) You just glossed over something really big, Paul. I did? What did you miss? She starts off, she's talking to those two dudes. Yeah, it's the first time someone has been interacting with them face to face, and I was I was trying to figure out if she wasn't really doing it. She was like talking to the next person over them, but I think we this is the first time we are establishing that they are yes actually because I always thought that they weren't there that they whatever reason maybe they were on the same plane of existence of where Oliver is now, and they're you know they're obviously. Uh, a device to be the, the Greek chorus, but mm-hmm. now I know for a fact that they are actually supposed to be living characters. Right. Yes, mm-hmm. they are. They are directly in conversation with Ellen. Yeah. Right. And they they get even more so later on. Although it is only Ellen every time. No, <laughs> it's not because they're on stage too. Get notes on stage, but oh. that's later on. Okay. All right. Anyways, I, I finally put a nail on that one. There yep. you go. And in that one or whatever. Um, so then, the next scene, um... The best scene I've, I've got the it, I've got it. I've got it a little understated. I say Holly and Richard discuss business, oh. and Holly reveals <laughs> some of her plan. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Not the usual place to discuss. Not the usual place to discuss business. Not the usual forum for making really? plans. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, he seems like he's very uh, uh, into it, but uh, not really aware of what she is saying. Well, no, because she's pulling his puppet strings. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there, that's that's all I'm going to say. Um, but she def- definitely uh, has a, I mean, in, in terms of re- listening to the dialogue, she definitely has a, a, pl- a solid plan of what she wants to do that's uh, very corporatizing the, uh, the entire New Burbage landscape. That's yeah. true. Who even, who even uses the phrase, the entire town could be a gift shop? I mean, really. Well, that's... That is sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that it's exactly as bad as that sounds, but I do know that there is a town outside of Stratford that is uh, called Shakespeare, Ontario. Right. And every single ta- thing in the town has Shakespeare this, Shakespeare that, Shakespeare this, Shakespeare that, on all of the, the Shakespeare Cafe and the Shakespeare Gift Shop right. and the Shakespeare Town Square. and it's, oh. Even Medora, same thing. Oh, but, yeah, I suppose Medora could be considered that way, too. For, yeah, it is, for, but it's uh, very small. There's a place in Indiana called Santa Claus, Indiana. Yes. It's like nothing but like Christmas stuff. And there's actually a uh, Holiday World is there. And it's yes, like it a is. holiday theme theme park. But that that's oh. what Shakespeare, Ontario mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of. Yeah, they have a Santa's workshop up in the, the Rockies. Sure. Yeah. 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 Same if, thing. If, okay, yeah. If, since we established in this episode, Jeffrey thinks art as a product is just a crime. Mm. And here's... Um, Holly with this grand scheme I think to make an, a lot of money with this artistic product I think we're starting to shake out who the major the central protagonist and the central antagonist of the central conflict really are. Oh yeah. Poor Richard he's now going to be caught in the middle. Yeah I, I do kind of feel bad for him. I do and I don't like I, I love Mark McKinney as an actor, and uh, I really liked his uh, scenes when he was in the bed in this episode. But, uh, like, his character, like, sometimes, well, uh, both both scenes in the bed. Uh, his character, like, I like him and I don't like him at the same time. Maybe that's a good sign of uh, how I'm supposed to feel. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I feel bad for him. Sometimes I feel like I can, I can see that he is passionate about uh, acting or the theater world and like he's trying to do his best and at the same time I'm just like ah <laughs> you know well again I think that once upon a time he did have passion and it's right. it's since faded because you know you you do you, you have to you have to make you gotta eat you gotta eat that's that's really what it comes down to you know yep 12 people one sandwich doesn't go so well hmm so now we get uh, the uh, the scene in the corporate workshop. Jeffrey is coaching Terry, speaking uh, uh, in a, in the uh, role of Macbeth. And after Jeffrey gives him very detailed direction, Terry does very well at uh, at performing the speech. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, this yeah. is this is the speech that was misappropriated by the middle manager in episode one. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. The one about a tale told by an idiot. Yeah, yes. I noticed that. This was my favorite scene of the whole episode. Like, uh, I actually kind of got a little, you know, emotional. Not emotional, but I was slightly stirred by this scene. And, you know, that that guy was doing a good table read. And that mainly how good Jeffrey is as a 
director, I guess, that yes. he can pull that kind of performance even out of a corporate accounting guy, you know, which is what we're supposed to be shown. Right. Yes. Uh-huh. But uh, if, you, if you think, okay, here's here's another little tangent. So, you know, we've got the Richard is is being, you know, he's got a puppeteer. And so, you know, Jeffrey, his, his little puppets are the actors. They're just really sheep puppets, right? Actors uh, are sheep. I, I think I think he did really great job. I think he did, but I'm just to... saying that I think it's interesting that you know he has he has that as is yeah. opposed to okay Aaron. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think that I don't think that he Jeffrey feels that actors are sheep. I feel that as a former actor that he can you yeah. know Jeffrey is an actor first and foremost. No, you're he right. He only you're right. he I... only became a director after the Hamlet incident. Right. But he was originally an actor, so he's got to believe in the other actors, I'm sure. And I bet you that somewhere down the line he'll have to face that demon of giving up acting because of his uh breakdown. Oh yeah, that's absolutely I'm sure he will. Yep. Uh, so we get a little bit of a look at Darren's staging of Hamlet in terms of, uh, you know, they get out on stage and they're working their blocking and he's saying, you know, here's the staging, here's where the flame pots go and uh, pyro and all. And Oliver and Jeffrey watch as this happens. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's... And, and the flying ghost. Yeah, I've been to that. <laughs> Afterwards at the bar, Terry and Jeffrey drink and talk about acting and directing and love. And at the end, Jeffrey asks Terry to be his second. <laughs> and did everybody know what a second was at the time? Uh, I didn't at the time, but once the next scene happened, then I realized, oh, yeah. yeah. Now I, I knew what it was, but I didn't put it, two and two It together. didn't come together for and you? I, I'm not even sure that I heard it. it. I just thought, oh, drunk guy said something. What? You know? <laughs> yeah. I already knew. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it works either way, really. Yeah. Well, and then didn't they say they had to go get costumes? Was that... Um, I forget what he said exactly what was going to happen next, but he did say, I need you to be my second at the end of the scene. I think they said that they had to go get dressed. I can't remember. Yeah. Something like that. Um, The company are all drinking at Ellen's. There's some little vignettes of Darren having some speech, uh, Frank and Cyril and Ellen talking together, and Kate and Jack um, talking about his dating history and then sneaking off. Hmm. Yeah. and then uh, Jeffrey and Terry arrives, and uh, chaos ensues with uh, Darren and Jeffrey getting their rematch. And even Maria gets in the act, and she has a drunken monologue, which I will not say any of right now. Thank you. <laughs> Suspecting when we get to quotes, it may come up again. All right. I think mm-hmm. I know whose quote that is. <laughs> and uh, not, not, to, uh, not to wrap up too quickly, we do get one last uh, vignette of Kate and Jack at the end. Uh, uh, yeah. Sp- spitting from the bridge. Uh, Why? And I'll give I'll open it for anybody to talk about either the uh, the duel or the uh, the last vin- vignette. The duel was good. It was a nice, good bit of action that. Uh, oh, it needed some action. It I mean, but, but the spitting in the river thing. What was that? Was that supposed to mean something? Did it have some kind of significance? Um, I you know I don't know for sure. I mean, I think it's just to imply that they're continuing to become closer. Right, and I got mm-hmm. that because they were sitting at the stream, like holding hands, all cute and lovey-dovey. And then they spit in the stream, which was—I <laughs> was—they just came out of nowhere. It didn't make know. sense. I didn't know if it was referencing something that I just don't get. I agree with that. I, I mean, I don't. I, would you find that sexy? Would you? <laughs> Not no. really. I, exactly. That, Not that she can't spit disgusting. either, like kind of like dribbles down and yeah. <laughs> versus his like loogie that goes far. I mean, yeah. 
That's gross. <laughs> it is gross. such a guy thing to do. No offense. <laughs> yeah, not taken. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bro thing to do. I can say that. <laughs> yeah, no, I could totally imagine like a couple twelve-year-olds doing that. And- you know, having a good time with that, but in, you know, a new romantic relationship, I really don't see where it has any place. You're you're right though, Paul. It might be that to establish him as a bro or whatever, but that's not a very good way to, to <laughs> convey Impossible. that. They could have done well to just to imply that he's kind of a Neanderthal kind of guy, or not really. Ne- you know what I'm talking about? Very crass. They could have mm-hmm. done a better job at that. I think. I just it just. It puzzled me. Mm-hmm. It's the best thing I can say about it. I just didn't get it. Yeah, me either. Uh, does anyone have anything else to say about the uh, the duel itself and the the party chaos? Hmm? Uh, she must have nope. had a really big living room. That was a large room. <laughs> that must have been huge because yeah. I can't I can't imagine you know because figure you've got you know your your rapier is. Uh, what? I can it's see those about guys. Three feet, and I then can those, see those guys, guys trying are, to do that. They're big guys, room. though. They're big guys. Yeah. They're like, we have to move some furniture. Or something well, yeah, they, knocked, they, they didn't clear furniture. Yeah, from the, the second, area. the second took care. The second of that. took care. Oh, you're of the right. Furniture. You're right. You're right. But yeah, I just this very big living room. But you did, you did get to see the the cast and polarizing out. It did seem like most of them were against Darren in that particular fight. Uh, exactly. I mean, yeah. Ellen, Ellen, was, I'm sure, would not side against Darren just because she has such an issue with Jeffrey. But everyone else, for the most part, seemed to be when they were saying "kill the asshole." I think. Well, I don't know, I think. Uh, no, I think Claire was on uh, Darren's side. Yeah, "kill the asshole" was against Jeffrey, but right. "smell your own armpits" and all that was definitely against Darren. Right. 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 <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry if There's anyone wanted to use small uh, your own armpits as a quote. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that that scene, the duel, actually did help, you know, everybody pick teams or pick sides. Sure. You know. Ah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, one note that I meant to mention at the beginning, but failed to, um, the title of the episode, uh, Madness and Great Ones, uh, does come from Hamlet. It's uh, Act Three, Scene One. Um, the uh, the speaker is Claudius, and the line is "Madness and great ones must not unwatched go." Mm-hmm. What was the the title of Episode Two? Uh, title Episode Two was uh, Jeffrey's Return, or Jeffrey no. Returns. Because so I was, was trying to we we talked about it briefly last time as to whether or not each episode was going to reference a. Uh, a play. Yes, right. we did, we did in, in reference to this one. I hadn't looked it up until uh, until we got into working on the episode. But when we talked about it at the close of the last episode, we said we think it's from Hamlet. We weren't sure. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Um, all right. So that's the end of the recap. If anybody has any further broad uh, statements to make, otherwise we'll move on to the next segment. Is everybody ready for quotes? Oh yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh, would we like to go in alphabetical order, Amy? All right, yes. Here is my favorite quote. Actually, I I have two this episode. So I'll start with, um, to follow up on something we went, we were discussing last episode, we were discussing the Macbeth supposed curse and referring to the Scottish play. There was a reference to that in the first scene where Oliver appears this episode when Jeffrey is alone on stage. Oliver says, This is where you earned your stripes. Romeo, Mark Anthony, Prince Hal, and the other prince. Mm -hmm. Dare I speak his name? He means Macbeth. Uh, He's he's respecting, doesn't he? I don't don't agree, actually. I I suspect that he's talking about Hamlet, which drove Jeffrey mad. You're right. I'm sorry. I forgot Hal was short for Henry. Yep. I knew that. I forgot for a 
when for some stupid reason when I wrote this quote down, I thought it was short for Hamlet, but I know it's short for Henry. Mm. I forgot that. Yeah. Yeah, but he doesn't want to say Hamlet because it might trigger something in Jeffrey as the uh, Oh yeah. The I thought I thought he was avoiding saying Macbeth in a theater. Ah, no. <laughs> which would make sense to our previous conversation. Yeah, it would. Uh-huh, last right. episode, I think, or the first episode. Yes, no, it was this past episode. I think it was last right, the episode. funeral. Uh, ben, do you have a quote? Um, yeah, I wrote down a couple of different ones. I think I'm going to choose um, I Love That. And I don't know if you know what that's in reference to, but it's when Terry and Jeffrey are sitting at the yes. bar. And they're talking about how intimate doing a play together is. And Jeffrey says something like, it's like having sex in, in public. public. Yeah. And Terry goes, oh, I love that. And he's like agreeing with him throughout. And it's just the, the delivery of that line by that, by that uh, actor. I hope that guy comes back because I really liked him throughout this whole play. Like, mm-hmm. yes. uh, that and also he also says um, – after he does his monologue and Jeffrey is able to pull a performance out of him and everybody comes up and congratulates him and the cute little redhead comes and like really puts it on <laughs> and lays it on thick. He's like, man, I fucking love this. Yes. So those two, I love that and I fucking love this were probably my favorite quotes because I could feel where that guy was coming from. <laughs> Would you like to go next? Break. Fox, I want you oh. to go downstairs. I want you to feed Lexus. Thank you. Okay. Darcy, did you have a quote? Absolutely. Uh, and, of course, you know, stage manager is my, my favorite character so far. And she says, actors, you're all the same. You're all a bunch of selfish, filthy, whiny children. Well, fuck you. <laughs> oh, no, well, fuck you all. Fuck off, you fuckers. <laughs> I've wanted to say that for 20 years. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> You just don't say it. You just don't say it. I don't think I could picture our friend Julie getting drunk and saying that, but I can picture some other stage managers we've dealt with. Uh, no. Someone named Lisa. Oh, yeah. If you remember Lisa. I remember I could Lisa. imagine her saying that. Absolutely. She was so funny. But she, yeah. Yes. The couple of them. I, I All right. Well, I, I wrote down a whole lot of quotes, but I'll go with, I'll pick, uh, I'll pick, uh, hello, Ellen, where's your boyfriend? Cub Scout meeting? <laughs> <laughs> that was cute. Then I, I did have another one. Does anybody else want to want to do yeah, a second? I had, a, I had another okay, one. Sure, sure. Okay, good. Oh, I did like um, when Darren. I didn't really like it, but it, I liked the fact that it showed his or developed his character when they call time at the the practice or whatever, and he uh-huh. goes fucking unions. That's yes. it, children. Yep. Which is just not only does he berate unions, which I'm very pro union. <laughs> yes. uh, Me too. He calls all the actors children, and that's how he thinks of them. Is like you know. Of how little he thinks of them, I guess. Like it, it, it really developed mm-hmm. that character just in two lines. Yeah, my, I, I, have a, I have a Darren quote that's yep. uh, right at the very beginning of the table read. He says, "Hello, everyone. I am Darren Nichols. Deal with that." Yeah. <laughs> uh, gosh, shut up. <laughs> exactly. I, again, uh, this is Jeffrey Jeffrey's quote. Darren, listen, I fully expect you to crush the play with your pork-fisted theatrics, and I'm all right with that. But if you're planning on using a horse, do us a favor and stick it in front of her, would you? I love that one. (laughs) That was very good. Um, Oh, and then I I did like the end of of Holly and Richard's um, business meeting, um, (laughs) where she said, I think, quote, uh, Make me rich, baby, Santa Claus. (laughs) 
Is that what she says? <laughs> yes. I, could, I was like, what was that? <laughs> Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. You can go back and check it. I, I, she I, does I, say you something. You know, I don't need to go back. To I guess Santa Claus didn't uh, come to mind, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I have one more. I, uh, guys. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I have another. Okay. Here's my other favorite quote. It's one of the things May says at, uh, in the, an early scene in the episode. She says, if you ask me, we could use a little madness around here. I like that. I like May. I know she's on the art side of things. Very definitely. She's saying she thinks they need this. They need somebody creative, someone to do something differently to counteract the boring corporateness and the co- the shows that are comfortable like an old boot. Right. She doesn't want she wants the shows to be in to be to different and exciting. Yeah, that. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Like um I'm glad that she's in power and she can recognize that they have really hit a rut for mm-hmm. like the past, I don't know, 5 years or 7 years whenever that Hamlet production was. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think she's on the art side, and it's good because she is the queen bee. Yes. Yep, she's the chairman of the board. I'm sure there's right. some kind of like Shakespearean, you know, hierarchy reference there that I just don't get. But the fact that she's like high, the high top person, and then Richard and uh, Jeffrey are like on the same level, and they're kind of competing and. Right. And Holly is the evil person who's whispering in Richard's ear. I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of like big. It's very Shakespearean. Yeah, she's 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 Queen Elizabeth. That's who she yeah. is. Is that? Yeah, like? absolutely. Yeah. Yep. In that, in that, they map rather well. That makes doesn't that make Richard and Jeffrey William Shakespeare and that what's his name? I'm so sleepy. Uh, I'm sorry. I should know his name off the top of my head, but I don't. Yeah. No. It's 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 Burbage. Burbage? No. 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 Um, um, is there is there a person named Burbage? Because that would be very interesting. Yes, there is, that. isn't there? There's that one guy who's a contemporary of William Shakespeare, and I think his first name is Jacob, but I'm drawing a blank. Well, I I I I've I found Burbage. Sorry. Well, we'll we'll discuss Burbage. I found okay, that. Sure. Who is it? He's an actor and theater owner. Okay. But wasn't oh. he? Aren't some of the works attributed to he him was, as well? Um, he was the star of uh, of the of the of Shakespeare's Company. Right, but I believe that he was oh. also attributed with some of the works. Hmm. Are you talking about Ben Johnson? No. Yes. Yes, she's talking. About oh, him. okay, that's who yep. she's. Of course, he's not, but I am. Yes, okay. no, I know you are. That's right. Back. Okay, um, we came up with a couple of the 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 name that uh, Amy was looking for is Ben Johnson. All right. No. Who was a contemporary playwright of Shakespeare's sort? Um, so you said that. So to his counterpoint or his uh, his biggest competitor or something like that. Most likely, you mentioned Richard and Jeffrey being on about the same level, and I right. thought, oh yeah, like Shakespeare and that one guy whose name is Ben Johnson. Gotcha. And while we're at it, uh, I did look up uh, Mr. Burbage, and Richard Burbage is a uh, actor and theater owner. Of the time, and he actually was the star, the star player in um, William Shakespeare's uh, set of players. Um, originally called the Shakespeare's Theater Company, originally called Lord Chamberlain's Men, and uh, mutated into the King's Men upon the assumption of James I. 
But uh, he, he was the star player of Shakespeare's company, so that's why the new, new Burbage is appropriate. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, I did fail uh, briefly to uh, to get to our feedback segment, which was supposed to come before quotes, but uh, ah. is going to come now. Uh, we have one piece of feedback. Heidi sent us in another email, and Heidi says, Hello there. It's too bad that Slings and Arrows has been taken off of Netflix, but that's what keeps happening with streaming. I'm able to watch it with Amazon Prime, so I'm keeping up with the podcast. I'm still getting the feel of this show, but it's highly entertaining. Jeffrey's interview was hilarious. The number of clueless characters is astounding, but it makes the ones who know what is going on seem that much smarter. Like I said, I'm still trying to figure this show out. Each episode is sort of all over the place, and I'm not sure what to expect. (laughs) But I'm enjoying the ride. The only thing I could really predict is that Jeffrey would choose to direct Hamlet, not the sword fight. LOL. (laughs) And this must be where the name of the show comes from. Keep up the great podcasting, Heidi. Thanks, Heidi. I love that she... uh, Thank Thank you, you, Heidi. Heidi. You know what? Yes? That's in my notes, too. I wrote exactly that. I wrote, the interview sequence was hilarious. That's what I was about to say. I like that the very first thing she picks on is the interview sequence with my favorite guy, Sean Collin. Absolutely. What's the name of his character? It's Basil. uh, Basil, yes. Which is very appropriate for that that character, I think. (laughs) Um, Okay, the next thing up will be ratings. Um, and um, I don't know okay. if I'll, uh, who, who wants to pick who wants to get first dibs on a rating system. I'm gonna go first. Okay, that's right. just because I think mine might be slightly lower than everybody else. Just because I started off wishy washy on this, but ended up loving it at the end. I'm gonna give it five out of ten uh, spit dribbles into a river. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Um, well, I, I, I believe that uh, I felt like it was a little bit disjointed. I think specifically the all of the little vignettes. I mean, there were a lot of scenes that were literally a line, if a line at all, mm-hmm. and Wait. it really kind of put things put things in an odd place. But, but the, the the scene with Ellen and Sloan in bed, the scene at the end with the the river, um, just a lot of things that were just sort of just just in there, and I wasn't sure about it. It sort of, sort of, it sort of, it threw off the pace for me, even though they kind of stuck him in at the end of end of acts. Um, so I gave it a uh, eight out of ten. Uh, pork-fisted directors. <laughs> <laughs> what does pork-fisted mean? Am I missing something? What's the definition of that? Uh, pork-fisted that slang? and pork-fisted and ham-handed are both the same sort of thing, and I think they're just supposed to be clumsy. Okay. Yep, that's right. I agree. This episode, I enjoyed it, but didn't captivate it. I mean, it didn't captivate me quite as much as the first two. Six out of ten dead plays. Nice. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, and I have to agree. This one, I although I did enjoy, you know, certain parts of it very much. A lot of it, um, it I was lost and not necessarily on board for part of it. So um, I, I'm going to give it um, uh, seven sweat-soaked doublets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's good. Hey, kids, I've got an assignment for next week. What's our assignment, Paul? Uh-huh. <laughs> our assignment for next week is to watch the episode Outrageous Fortune. Okay. The, the movie <laughs> Outrageous Fortune? Uh, no, watch the episode of Slings and Arrows if you can. Oh, okay, okay. Not the, uh, oh, I can't remember who those people are. Uh, Shelley Long and Bette yes, Midler. Yes, and Bette Midler. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and, episode uh, four. So this is this uh, season's almost over, right? Yes, we're we are halfway, halfway through, through right? the first season. That is correct. That's so weird. 
Yeah. I'm so um, used to like 18 to 24, you know, episode seasons. And you did catch the uh, that the outrageous fortune is in that in that uh, monologue, right? From earlier in the show it that is. Jack was attempting. Yep. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yet another Hamlet reference. It is. Yep. It's it's from it's from the same speech. Uh, to be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it's tis nobler in the mind to take up uh, to wait to, to, to suffer. Yeah. Right. Wait, Sorry. nobler yeah. in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. The stings and arrows of outrageous no, fortune. No, it is slings. <laughs> yes, I know. That was a joke. Oh, you knew that. Sorry. <laughs> or to take up About arms against the sea of oppression and by opposing tru- in them. A sea of troubles. Troubles and oppo- by opposing in them. Yes, okay. I, I so almost it's not have it. as easy as it looks, is it? It's not as easy no. as it looks. Well, you're not reading it, though, are you? I was not reading it. <laughs> That's <laughs> all in his, his big, fat head. And believe me, he has a very big head. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to picture of it right now. <laughs> Well, to uh, to paraphrase uh, good friend Illyria Ferreira, that's what we thought. Tell us what you think. Uh, you can find our podcast at www.quadruplez.com, along with many other fine podcasts. Our email account is theghostlightpodcast at gmail.com. Our Twitter account is at ghostlightpc. And our sadly neglected uh, voicemail line is 206 202 6378. That at least one call on it. Uh, no, not so far. Should, should I call my dad and tell him, Daddy, will you call it? I've been, I've been, I've been calling it every few weeks to keep it live. Uh, you know, we had, um, didn't the listeners, I guess she sent in an MP3. Yeah, Stephanie, where... Stephanie prefers to record because there's that whole once you finish the voicemail, it's gone and you can't make right. changes. Yeah, or... there are no editings in, uh, in Blast from the Past from Paul Mackey. That is correct. <laughs> um, okay, well, that is the end of our episode. If anybody has anything else to say, otherwise, uh, we can say goodbye. All right. Uh, this is Paul Mackey. Goodbye. Good night. We'll talk to you later. See ya. There was this king sitting in his garden all alone When his brother in his ear put a wee bit of in vain. He stole his brother's crown and his money and his widow. But the dead king walked and got his son and said, Hey, listen, kiddo. Yeah, it could I be. Know. I, know, I, I, I know that. I, I think the... Uh, Oh. oh, Darcy, go get your driver's license. That's what it says. Okay. Sorry, I, I, probably nobody else heard the system alert but us. But no. <laughs> uh, no. The, 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 uh, the audience may. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, in any case, um, I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I've been killed, and it's your duty then to take revenge on Claudius. Kill him quick and clean. Show the nation what a fraud he is. The boy says, right, I'll do it. Well, I'll have to play it crafty so no one will suspect me. I'll get on that. I'm a dafty. Um... I'm being mimed something. I really need to just pause for a moment. What? Pause. Fox is mad because I said asshole. Oh. <laughs> you just said it again. Oh, I know. No. Now, now he's giving me the look again. Jeez, you are a mean oh, child. Dear. Hey, Fox, we're, we're getting ready to talk about a sword fight, okay? Yeah. Eh. Fencing. Fencing. You know, stage combat. Eppies and foils. He's, 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 he's clapping now because he's yeah. had two, two Fox, previous classes. Fox knows about eppies and fencing. foils. Oh, nice. And with all except Horatio, because he counts him as a friend. Hamlet, that's the boy, puts on his round the bend. But because he was not ready for obligatory killing, he tried to make the king think he was tuppence off a shilling. Okay, hold on. Freeze. I'll be right back. Well, no, I think so. That's not the person you're thinking of. <laughs> no, yeah, it certainly isn't. Well, we'll we'll use Google Food, Dars. That's what I'm doing. I got the book right here. What are you running for the for the Riverside? That's a book.